Welcome to episode 267 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was published on Sunday, 7th of February, 2021. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Her Excellency, we'll be right with you. Yes, this wasn't your standard working-from-home Zoom meeting. I was to talk virtually with the First Lady of Costa Rica, as well as Ethiopia's Transport Minister, the Deputy Prime Minister of Luxembourg, and a top government official from Germany. Hi, I'm Carlton Reed. This is the Spokesman Cycling Podcast, brought to you by Jensen USA, and I was honoured to be on a panel for the closing plenary of the Transforming Transportation Conference, held last week. This is staged every year for the World Bank by Washington, D.C.'s World Resources Institute. With their permission, I'm sharing some of the audio from this one-hour panel. Pleasingly, there was quite a bit of cycling content, which I hope bodes well for that post-pandemic buzz phrase, let's build back better. The conference moderator was broadcaster Femi Oki, and here she is introducing the panel. Welcome back to the main stage of Transforming Transportation 2021. This is the final plenary session. I'm going to greet the panel. The panel is going to say hello to you, delegates. Deputy Prime Minister, welcome to TTDC 21. Tell our delegates who you are and what you do. Hello, my name is uh, François Bausch. Uh, I'm Deputy Prime Minister of uh, Luxembourg. And in my portfolio, I have also the Ministry of uh, Mobility and uh, Public Works. So it's not the first time that I'm participating in the TTT. So uh, I would love to be in in Washington, D.C., but unfortunately it's not possible this year. But uh, I'm really honored and really with pleasure that I participate in this uh, concluding debate now for this year's uh, conference Transport and mobility is my passion, and I really like discussing about about and around it. Well, you're in the right place, Deputy Prime Minister. We will come back to you. Claudia, if people were paying attention on the slide, they saw that you were First Lady of Costa Rica. That's a very nice title, but you have an absolutely extraordinary job, and that is why you're here. Claudia, please introduce yourself to the delegates. Thank you so much. Well, good day to everybody. I am Claudia Dobles, I am from Costa Rica, and I am the coordinator for the sector of infrastructure, mobility, and uh, urban planning. So I am also the first lady, but I think the first title is the most interesting one. (laughs) I am very glad to be sharing with you Costa Rica's experience through this pandemic and our vision post-pandemic. I am very honored also to share this panel with the rest of the panelists. 
Ah, thank you so much for being with us. Madam Minister, welcome back to Transforming Transportation. Nice to have you. Remind our delegates who you are and what you do. I'm pleased to be part of TP for the second time. I'm Dad Mawit from Ethiopia. I'm the Minister for Transport. It's a pleasure for me to join the team to share our experience and to learn from others as well. Thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Hello, Carlton. So nice to see you. Carlton, tell everybody who you are and what you do. Uh, hi, Femi, uh, and, and good to see you uh, and good to see everybody else. And it, it's, it's, uh, you should have come to me last <laughs> because I'm the least qualified <laughs> member of the, 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 the panel here in that I'm, I'm, I'm a, I ask questions normally, so I don't make decisions uh, like the other panellists. Uh, fantastic job <laughs> titles. I'm, I'm somebody who would ask those people uh, uh, the questions normally. But I am I'm a journalist. I specialise in, in transport. So I do uh, work for Forbes.com and uh, for The Guardian in uh, the UK. And I'm also a historian of, of transport. So I've written books uh, on transport too. Fantastic. Carlton, you're very welcome and you're very humble, which is very British of you. Jorgen, so nice to see you. Welcome. Please elaborate on your numerous job titles. You're a very busy man. So glad you had time for us. Hi, uh, Femi, uh, and thanks for, for having me. Yes, uh, my name is Jorgen Sattler and uh, I am a Director General in the German Ministry for Economic Cooperation. And there, uh, my responsibilities cover uh, climate, uh, SDGs, and multilateral cooperation amongst uh, those multilateral institutions, the World Bank. And until only three months ago, I was uh, the German Executive Director at the World Bank. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. All right, so panel. We have an hour and this is what we're going to try to achieve. We're going to talk about lessons from our global pandemic for planning for the future, looking ahead. We're going to talk about opportunities for transport. And we're also going to join the dots between climate change, our current crisis, and what that means for the climate crisis going forward. There's a lot to do. Carlton, what would be the smartest first question to ask and who should we ask it to? Uh, well, I've been genning up on, on the, the other speakers. I'm a journalist. I do that kind of thing. And I, I, Ethiopia is fascinating in that it, it bubbled up on my social media feeds a few weeks ago that Ethiopia did have this, this transport plan. So it's fantastic uh, that Dagamit is actually here and that potentially I can ask her questions on this. But what, what fascinates me about Ethiopia, and uh, maybe I'll ask actually the, the, the question, uh, is... Uh, Motoring is clearly like uh, the, the elephant in the room in, in, in many countries. Many countries want to reduce motoring, and yet many countries, uh, perhaps in in uh, in places like Africa, including Ethiopia, maybe motoring is seen as something absolutely aspirational, and they want to have more and more motoring. If we've got so much motoring uh, here in the in the in the in the West, why shouldn't everybody else have motoring? So we're kind of on this panel, maybe we're going to be talking about how we want to reduce motoring for all those reasons you, you mentioned, not just climate change, but also congestion reasons, clean air reasons, uh, importantly, health reasons. And yet many other countries uh, probably don't see it in those terms. So I, my first question uh, would be to 
uh, uh, Demi, from Ethiopia on, on how she's going to square that circle. So shall I go for it? I, I think now's the time to answer that. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Madam Minister. It, it's a yeah. question. It's an unexpected question. As a government, uh, we are responsible to address the needs of our people. And we need to consider the situations that we are in. Previously, before the pandemic, we used to, we used to uh, invest on roads for vehicles. But during the pandemic, we identified that we need to focus on our people and address their need for transport, serve the public. So recently, during the pandemic, we ratified the first national non-motorized transport strategy in our country, which gives much emphasis for strength and cycling. And in our 10-year perspective plan that we already completed two months ago, we gave due attention on how we're going to construct pedestrian ways and cycling lanes and give priority for more transport than individual people. I want to go to you, Deputy Prime Minister, because if we're looking at what have we learned so far, what are the opportunities going forward? I know there was something that just to me and to you stood out that people are doing now that they didn't do two years ago and not in the numbers. What is that and how does that help us with sustainable mobility? But I, th I think that uh, we are in effect in a double crisis already today. Uh, we are on one hand in this pandemic with all the problems around and then on the other hand we are in the middle of another crisis which is the, 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 the climate crisis because climate crisis will not begin after this pandemic but it's already there and I think that what I could observe especially in the mobility sector because all, all the problems that we had for example during the lockdowns that we had in the last years people began to change their behaviors in the transport and mobility sector, especially, for example, in the urban areas. People discovered, really rediscovered, for example, cycling in a way that I would never have imagined two years ago or three years ago. I just got on my table today the figures of a survey that I launched during last year, just after the first lockdown that we had in Luxembourg, that was in March, April until May uh, last year. And uh, during this survey, uh, people told us that, for example, 23% of the population in our country changed uh, their behavior during the pandemic. And even they told us that they want to keep now these changes. And most of this change came, uh, mostly this change came in favor of uh, cycling, for example. Uh, nearly 60% of this uh, part of the population, of this quarter, in fact, of the population uh, said that they had rediscovered cycling and that they want to keep it also after the pandemic and after the lockdown. And that is what we can observe also today. We see uh, in our everyday life 
that people are using more and more, for example, cycling or biking uh, to really do their, do their daily business. So not only for sports or for, for, for leisure, but only to go to work and to bring their children to, to school, for example. Claudia, from the perspective of Costa Rica, if you're looking forward as we are in this session, what are the opportunities that you've taken from a global pandemic and you're able to apply for mobility, sustainable mobility, urban planning. What stands out for you? Thank you. Well, I, I will have to start with what was our vision pre-pandemic and how we have tried to adapt that post-pandemic. We started actually a year, uh, two, year two years ago, uh, February 2019, we launched in Costa Rica our decarbonization plan, uh, trying to reach a new vision for uh, socioeconomic development, more sustainable, reaching for well-being, quality of life, but also job creation in terms of the fourth industrial revolution. So one of the main lines of action, we have 10 lines of action in the decarbonization plan, but one one of the main action was to create a mobility system that could be resilient, that could be flexible and adaptive. And the truth is that, unfortunately, in Costa Rica, we have invested a lot um, in a vision of a private, more car-centric development. Uh, it's quite interesting to hear the example of Luxembourg. And I really, I can tell you, I wish we could have that in Costa Rica. In Costa Rica, people... Through the pandemic, they didn't rediscover biking because we they have to discover it in the first place. <laughs> we need to create that culture in the metropolitan area. And for creating that culture to provide confidence, we needed also to start providing the vision of a more pedestrian, more um, friendly city and how these can work together with the transportation system and make it more robust, make it more uh, resilient, more diverse. Also, Claudia, we, we... Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, Claudia. I, I was just picking up on your, your thought about the cycling because the Deputy Prime Minister, it wasn't a big deal for cycling 10 years ago. I mean, this, there's been a resurgence. So I'm just wondering what you would say, DPM, to Claudia. Can you take but, that model and take it to Costa Rica? Is that even possible? Yes, it's possible everywhere. You know that... Luxembourg is the most car-loving country in the world, I would say, beside Qatar. Because we have, in Luxembourg, uh, the, the, the car and the individual immobility uh, uh, culture is, is very much present, still today. And uh, I would say when I started seven eight years ago, uh, we had already a little bit uh, against hiking culture in different cities in the country. But even in a, such a car-loving country than in Luxembourg, which is such a high degree of cars per household, for example, in Luxembourg we have minimum, I would say, around two cars per household in Luxembourg. So even in a country like this, it's possible to change, but the precondition is that you must really attack to build up a good cycling infrastructure. The infrastructure is the key to the success, to the success uh, so that the population uh, will really use uh, cycling again as a mode of transport. But on the other hand, 
I'm really sure, especially also because of new tools, new elements that entered in the last years in the cycling culture, like electric bikes, people will more and more rediscover cycling. So it will be a major topic in every urban area in the world in the, in the next uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Let me just bring in Jorgen here. Jorgen, we're looking forward. We're, we're looking at transport as a motor for change. What is Germany thinking of right now for the future? What are you working on right now that takes us into 2021, 22, 23 and beyond regarding transport? Yes, thank you. It's uh, a, a very difficult question. It sounds easy, but I think it's really challenging because uh, there are lots of uh, unknowns. And um, I think the, the lockdown and also uh, what might come next has put on the table some open issues, <clears throat> also regarding the, the future of uh, urban transport. So. What we could see in Germany is a substantial drop uh, in, uh, uh, in, in transport, in public transport during uh, the, the lockdown. During the first lockdown, it was a drop in uh, ticket sales of some 80%. And this really put at stress uh, the financial accounts of uh, the operators, of the public operators very often. So... The question is, will we go back uh, to the uh, conditions we have seen before, or will there be a kind of new normal? And uh, that's not easy to uh, answer this question, because uh, there are those variables like uh, there might be more pandemics, there might be more awareness uh, regarding the spread of other viruses uh, in the population, uh, there might be an increase in the work uh, from home, of course, which might reduce traffic. Then perhaps congestion in the roads uh, will get less severe and people will switch uh, to public, uh, to, to private transport. And looking at private transport, we also see that shift uh, which has been uh, discussed. Will it be then cars? Will it be shared cars? Will it be bikes? Will it be shared bikes? So I think these are many variables. And uh, it's not easy to, to predict that. But I think we have to take it seriously and, and uh, really be open to adjust our plans. Uh, it looks like, uh, like others said, bikes uh, and e-bikes will be a part of the new uh, transport uh, future, perhaps uh, it will come quicker than we uh, thought. And As we're looking forward, Carlton, people often, particularly in this forum, equate technology and tech with the future. I, I know you've got deep and passionate thoughts about this. Can you share them with us, please? Well, I've been impressed. Uh, yes, I can share them for me. I have been impressed that so far, and, and many panels like this tend to start talking about this, we haven't talked about... Uh, electric cars we haven't talked about driverless vehicles so i'm very very impressed that we haven't talked about that because tech is sexy and 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 ministers uh like to cut ribbons and like to 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 do the sexy things we, we know that but tech uh 
it is probably not the best solution to transport woes, especially post uh, 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 pandemic and, and all sorts of reasons. So automotive deaths and gridlock will not be banished by autonomous vehicles or electric cars. So for cities of the future, for them to be uh, sustainable, truly sustainable, to be resilient uh, for true mobility, uh, we're going to have to boost bicycling, walking and public transport. So I'm glad that we have touched on all those things. Um, can, I, can I actually ask a question, uh, Femi, while, while I'm on here? I would like to ask Dagamita a question, but this is for, first of all to, to uh, Francois, because before the pandemic, I was doing stories on Luxembourg because Luxembourg um, public transit was free. It was uh, one of the first places where to get people out of cars was, yes, to have the, the infrastructure, the cycling infrastructure uh, Francois was talking about, but also to have public transport free. Now, the pandemic clearly has knocked, as Francois said, 80 percent uh, public transport has been knocked uh, massively. But going forward, once the pandemic's out of the way, the question to Francois is, is it still going to be free for public transport, for tr public transit? And how are you going to get people back onto public transit when we know uh, they've been really, really afraid to, to mix with people in close proximity? Thanks for this question. And it's a little bit also what Jürgen said already, the the whole uh, scenario that we had an enormous drop in using uh, mass transit or, or public transport. But I'm really convinced that is only a momentum, and it's the momentum of the pandemic, because we could observe this uh, during two or three months in the last years, because we had in Luxembourg a lockdown that went from March to May, but from June to October, I would say that the situation was nearly normal. And immediately uh, the, the, the figures in the public transport, in, or the mass transport, uh, went up, rushed up again. So I, I really, I con I'm convinced that at the end of this pandemic, uh, and when we have it under control already, and that will be the case uh, during this year, I'm sure about this, because of the vaccines and so on, uh, we will see that the society will very fast and very quick really go up again. Even I, I'm very optimistic also even about the recovery of the economy. And what is interesting is uh, the, the, we continued during all the time to defend our mobility change plan that we launched seven years ago. Uh, and even if the, even knowing that the attention during uh, seven or eight months was much lower because everybody discussed only about the virus, immediately I can feel that the discussion around mobility and the mobility problems that we have in Luxembourg, also congestion problems, because we have a very specific situation. In my country, we have, for example, 250,000 commuters coming from France, from Germany, from Belgium every day to work to Luxembourg. And that poses an enormous problem in the mobility organization. I'm convinced of what we started seven years in Luxembourg, seven years ago in Luxembourg, with an enormous investment program in to change the mobility system. Because I really want to underline this. Uh, technology is a tool. It is a tool that we can use. But we must change the system, the mobility system. And 
I think I'm, I'm really optimistic that with uh, what the population has lived in the last year, it's much easier. It would be much easier to discuss this than it was before before the pandemic. Mm, that's such a good point. I am going to panel. Take some time for our delegates who have a lot of questions for you. So this is our plan. I will ask the question on behalf of the delegates and you will come back with a very pithy response, which means that we can get a lot of questions into the rest of our session. So these are instant thoughts back to the delegates. Thank you very much for your cooperation on this one. I'm going to start in Addis Ababa. Madam Minister, stand by. This is from Wendy Gia. Wendy says that Addis deployed a bike lane during the COVID pandemic, which was very popular. The city is moving ahead with corridor improvements, including bicycle lanes, bicycle parking and widened sidewalks. I am smiling so wide now. I am so going to go cycling if I can get to uh, Addis sometime in the future. How did this go down? I love the idea of biking in Addis, Madam Minister. Quick response. How did you make that happen? Thank you so Thank you so much, uh, uh, Femi. Yes, we're doing it with our partners uh, because we believe that this is one of the alternatives that we need to provide to our people. Because uh, when we were not able to utilize the public transport, we need to find ways to enhance the cycling culture in our people. So we started in the capital city, but we believe that we need to do a lot ahead. Even in urban areas, which is not the capital, there was a trend of cycling, but it was completely shifted within the five or five or seven years. We're trying hard to bring back that culture. We started it with the capital. Even in the capital, we need to extend the lanes that we have started because at least there has to be a complete circuit. If we have smooth pedestrian and cycling lanes, we believe that no city is too large for a resident to use that option as mode of transport. So if we have to do that, and if we are going to be able to do that, we're going to address uh, the supply and demand gap, which is vividly visible in most developing urban centers, just like ours. So yes, we started it. You'll be most welcome to come and bike in Addis, and we'll have even in other <laughs> urban countries. This question is for you, Carlton. It comes from Nirmal Shetty. Thank you, Nirmal. Uh, it is nice to promote cycling, provided that they're safe on the road and the safety is addressed. There's new road infrastructure can make provision for lanes for bikes and pedestrians. How can we address road safety in existing roads, especially in low and middle income countries? I should say that Carlton has written a book all about bikes, <laughs> right? Bike boom. Uh, yes, that, so oh, thank, you, thank you for the plug there, Femi. Um, can I actually go back to, to Ethiopia? Because when I was reading uh, the Ethiopia Non-Motorised Transport Strategy 2020 to 2029, there was a stat that jumped out at me. And that is uh, Bahia Dar, the city, smaller city than, than Addis, obviously, uh, cycling there accounts for 90% of vehicle trips. So Ethiopia has a massive cycling culture right now in some cities. So in, in those kind of places, they're going to have to protect cycling um, from going away, not to increase cycling as such. It's just to stop it going down from that amazing 90 percent. And 
I'm guessing, I don't know, uh, because I haven't been there and I haven't even seen photographs of this, but when you have 90% of, of vehicle movements are cyclists, they clearly dominate the roads. Cars can't get past. That must lead to an awful lot of friction from motorists who assume that they would have priority on roads. Uh, yes, Bahardar was one of the urban centers that we have in our country, which used to have large uh, proportion of uh, cyclers in the city. But uh, that, uh, that's not the case uh, recently, in the five to seven years, because three-wheelers, they came to the uh, street. Bring back. There was a culture and we can bring it back, and we're working towards that. So, uh, as a developing country, we believe that the option to access transport for our people is by providing a kind of mode of transport which is affordable for our people, which is cycling and other non-motorized systems of transport. As far as to see a little bit in the rural area of our country, having a cycle of her own and addressing the needs of her own by herself after we avail the system in our country. Mm -hmm. So this is why uh, I just want to put it at the end. Thank you. Thank you so much, Madam Minister. Jorgen, your final closing words of hope and inspiration or oh, what? I start with a low note and that's it's not just a pandemic. It's not just a health crisis. It's more than that. It's really with the pandemic, the pandemic shows us that we put too much stress on the environment. And therefore, the whole system is in a crisis. That's a low note. But that's a, an opportunity. If you make aware this to your people, to your friends, uh, and so on. I think there can be something very, very positive. We are all human beings with own ideas and innovations. So let us take uh, that uh, that opportunity. Let us make it chic, you know, to go bye bye. Let us let us let it make us um, make it attractive uh, to think about how we can reorganize our cities. Yeah, don't go back to this passive role. Oh, it's a crisis, and uh, we we have to reestablish what we had before. Thank you so much, Claudia. How should we end? You, yeah, I, I think the, the the main lesson learned for for us in Costa Rica is to live with complexity, and how we. Uh, Policy makers, public policy makers need to be more flexible, need to respond faster and in a closer way with different sectors in order to provide um, the most appropriate answer for the needs of our communities. So I think it, it has been a, a lesson to learn in terms of working together closer and more in a more uh, adaptive way. And obviously, we didn't lost our north, which is how to create Costa Rica, a decarbonized, decentralized and digitalized country. But 
make it more flexible or faster and closer to all the sectors in 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 the, in the country and and in the internationally. Thank you. It's been invigorating having you as my co-presenter, my co-host. You you think up smarter questions than I did. So mm-hmm. kudos to that. Your final thought. Well, present company session. Present company what? excluded, but politicians around the world uh, tend to be guilty of warm words about uh, walking and cycling and other forms of, a- of active transport. I would like to see the cash. So that's the important thing. We need the actual hard money. Put it down the table and let's get these modes moving. Thanks to the World Bank and the World Resources Institute Ross Centre in Washington, D.C. for allowing me to rebroadcast some selected highlights from Friday's Transforming Transportation Annual Conference. And thanks in particular to Claudia Adriozola Steele of WI Ross Centre's Urban Mobility Programme, who invited me to take part. This has been episode 267 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. Links can be found on the-spokesman.com. And that's also where you can find a new feature, a little recording widget with which you yes, you, can send us your comments or criticisms or ideas for future shows. Open the widget, press record and Bob's your uncle. The next show will be a one and a half hour chat with mountain bike legend Gary Fisher. Perhaps I can run some of your audio comments on that episode. So get chatting about Gary or anything else you'd like to get across to the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. Meanwhile, get out there and ride.